The Evolved Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. At the end of last week's episode, I did allude to the fact that we'll be doing something different on this episode. However, due to the availability of one or two of the people that we really want to talk to as part of that special episode, we have had to postpone that to next week or the week after. Therefore, this week, we're back to the normal format of a really interesting conversation with an interesting individual. And I'm pleased to say we welcome back for this episode one of our former guests, life coach and stress expert, Becky Holston. During the course of this conversation, I wanted to revisit my discussions with Becky and just discuss that situation around mind, body and spirit and the effect that the COVID crisis has had on us all and really reflect on what we need to think about as individuals from that perspective as we come out of lockdown into the new dawn and a new way of working. Becky really does have some incredible thought-provoking views on who we are as humans when we get stripped down to our core. And it's certainly safe to say the COVID crisis has really done that to us all in one way, shape or form. In my opinion, it's really that kind of honest, important conversations that we need to be having at this moment in time. And therefore, it was great to share some of my personal thoughts and experiences with Becky and hear what she had to say. On this podcast, Becky talks about the importance of self-awareness in dealing with high stress. Self-awareness comes from making the time to take a look at yourself and staying in that time even when it's uncomfortable. The effect that too much control and certainty in modern life has on our intuition. We've been disempowered over the last decade and that feeling of uncertainty is now being read by our nervous systems as a threat and reveals an unusual philosophy for coping with the current climate. The faster you can get used to feeling uncertain, the better you're going to do. I really do hope you enjoy this conversation and let's get on with the show. Welcome Becky, once again to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, it's lovely to be back again. Yeah, well, it's great to have you back as a guest and to get your insight and expertise into what's been going on. Um, and clearly, it's been a really challenging time for us all. And therefore, you know, I was keen to get your thoughts and insights in what we need to consider from a managing stress, dealing with anxiety and self-care perspective as we emerge from the depths of this lockdown. Well, However... Yeah. To start the podcast, keen just to hear from you as to what you've seen and what insights can you give and things and techniques that have worked for others throughout the process to date. And, you know, so what has worked well and what have you seen over the last couple of months while we've been through the crisis and through the lockdown period? I've seen a big mixed response. I mean, bear in mind that 99% of us have lost something. Um, be that freedom, be that our businesses, be, you know, very sadly loved ones. 
but also, you know, our decision making has been taken away. Some of our holidays, our dreams for the future, you know, it goes on and on and on. So I think we saw this initial first shock period, which is always a natural response to some kind of threat. So everyone was in shock to begin with. And you saw some people who have already... Here's the thing. When we deal with challenge, no one really does anything any different. We deal with challenge how we deal with challenge, whether it's divorce, coronavirus, financial hardship. Our coping systems are our coping systems. They don't change. If we're smart, we learn to get better ones through experience of dealing with challenge. And anyone who's got their own business you know, has learned how to get through the first year and how to hold their nerve. So I think initially we saw the sh- I saw the shock response um, in a lot of people. And then they were sort of looking for immediate comfort. Then something remarkable happened is that we had our control taken away from us, which has made people feel a false sense of safety temporarily. And now that, you know, some people were lucky enough to receive government funding and help and their staff was furloughed. So, And that happened really quickly, which I think helped to make people feel safer. Um, but now we're in the situation where we're starting to climb out of that massively into the unknown and almost newborn creatures in some ways. I've seen people getting busy with exercising. You know, if you're someone who numbs fear, then you'll have upped your numbing. You'll be drinking more. You'll be exercising more. You will be perhaps pretending that nothing's happening. You know, for some people, they're just trying to think positively through it. For others, they're taking the time to rejuvenate and to, you know, to really get strong from the last 30, 40 years of their life. So there's there's always a mixed response. And it's been very interesting to be able to observe many, many people going through this intimately over the last few months. Yeah, I'd imagine it has been fascinating to see human nature at work. And I suppose that first thing you said about that, you know, a lot of people have gone through some form of fear of loss. Yeah. You know, to a greater or lesser extent. I mean, it's grief. What, you know, what we were dealing with and some people obviously still are dealing with is grief. And some people don't even know, you know, their grief hasn't hasn't come to them yet because, you know, perhaps they've had some great stability during this time. But it's only in the future that they're going to have to sort of go through their grief and loss of of things that, that mattered to them. And that other thing is around that overcompensating, isn't it? You know, we all do it at times of stress. Well, many of us do it, uh, probably not all, but many of us do it at times. You know, I get out on my bike and I probably overcompensate with just trying to find some solitude and and sort of meditate on the bike nearly and just put my body through sort of tough challenge physically when I'm mentally challenged. So I suppose everybody's got their own way. And it's it's at what point does that overcompensation become unhealthy, Becky? Well, we, you know, our ways of coping existed in 2019. You know, they weren't any different. You know, we went into this already dealing with how we deal things. You know, I used to be someone that numbed my pain. You know, I would overexercise or I would, you know, ramp my energy up to overcompensate. I'd meet pain with pain is what I used to do. And that may, you know, various different ways. And that kind of gives you a feeling of being in control of the pain that you can't be in control of. So we learn how to deal with challenge and threat from a very, very early age, you know, by 
through our childhood is where we learn to cope. Now, obviously, as we get older in life, we learn to upgrade that. We learn from other people. We learn hopefully better ways of doing things. And sometimes we replace some coping mechanisms that don't work with other coping mechanisms that don't work. We become a workaholic, um, you know, in, in, instead of somebody who perhaps smoked or drank too much in the past. So it is, it's about understanding, really understanding that how we deal with things is how we deal with things. Um, and so looking at that, it's important to be really honest with yourself about how you cope when you're under challenge and understanding how you cope personally, because it will be different to somebody else. But how do you then make adjustment? Because self-realisation is one thing, isn't it? But then adjusting. Self-realisation is the key. You know, you can't change something you can't rec- you can't upgrade something you can't recognize. You know, that's one of our biggest blind spots as human beings is that we don't recognize things. We don't spend enough time looking at ourselves, understanding ourselves and understanding our behavior. We spend a lot of time being hard on ourselves and punishing ourselves, you know, even secretly. No one outwardly would know, you know, the way we talk to ourselves in our heads. We spend a lot of time doing that, but very little time actually understanding how to get the best out of ourselves, never mind having to get the best out of others around us. So any tips, techniques around self-realization and, you know, actually listening to our bodies and our minds in a better fashion and way, Becky? Make, first of all, make the time for it. You know, we have to make the time. And, you know, that's certainly been the gift that I've had over this time is I've had, you know, while spending the last 12 years relentlessly helping other people, there are aspects of my life that got left behind. You know, even though I do prioritize my self-care and, you know, look at my goals, etc. Um, but it is about, first of all, making the time. And we always find the time to do what's important to us. It's yeah. just for most of us, we dropped off the list a long time ago. So the first thing is to make the time. And yet it can feel uncomfortable to take a look at yourself, especially if it's been a long time since you have. It's a bit like opening up your wardrobe suddenly and thinking, what on earth is in there? And finding there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't wear anymore. Um, (laughs) There's probably a lot of people that have done a big declutter, you know, in their environment. And that, again, is a really healthy thing to do. So first of all, self-awareness comes from making the time to take a look at yourself and staying in that time, even when it's uncomfortable. It is about looking at your self-talk. How am I talking to myself? How am I comforting myself through this process? For many people, they go straight into, you know, particularly particularly business owners and entrepreneurs. You know, we're great at just going straight into action without perhaps understanding the problem enough at the first place. And we leave ourselves out, out of, you know, we put all the responsibility on our shoulders to have the solution but we don't necessarily rejuvenate ourselves first to be able to lead the response. Yeah, and that is so true, particularly in times when things are developing and changing and, you know, challenge is presenting itself, you know, constantly as it was, you know, in the very early weeks of this pandemic. And that was one of the challenges I think that a lot of business owners faced was actually their team were looking to them for answers and responses and actually they hadn't had the time to assimilate the information yet let alone come up with what the solution would be and I I think the way I tried to combat that was with strong communication 
and being open and honest. And that actually bought some time because the team realized where I was, what my thinking was, that I was going through a thinking process and then I could respond in a more meaningful manner. And that's how I personally overcame it, Becky. And that's a great example. You know, you took the time first to get to get your authentic message out. And, and it takes a lot of self-confidence as well to actually address a frightened herd of people and say, I don't have all the answers. But actually, what people take strength from is your belief. And it's very hard to have belief and self-trust if you're already empty from the last five, six years because your strategies your strategies have left you empty. You know, I saw during 2019 more such a, into 2018 and 2019. And as I say, so many of my clients are in the SME marketplace. So I really get the opportunity to take the pulse um, on the nation. And burnout was a massive, massive story in 2018 and 2019. And there was, there are so many ways that we're doing business. There's so many ways that we're making money and pushing ourselves that are just not conducive to being a human being. Yeah, and that is, Becky, one of my fears, you know, is as we move forward, you know, through, the, you know, we use the B word, the Brexit process, through business environment, but, you know, being okay, but not, you know, it's still being a very fraught environment to be doing business in the last, you know, 12, 18, 24 months. And there was a lot of people at a low ebb anyway, or at that risk of burnout. And then, you know, and it's one of the things that I've been conscious of myself is to keep telling myself, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. And that, that fear is that there is a lot of pent up need for self-care and adjustment, the other side of this. But will we have the time as individuals to do that? You know, will... Or are we just stepping from one issue to another, to another, to another, and not being to have the time to reflect? And I suppose I'd ask you that question, Becky, around that marathon, not sprint. I'm intrigued. You know, you and I speak frequently. I've said before I wouldn't be where I am today if we hadn't spent time together and you hadn't helped and coached me along the way. So I'm going to be open and ask you that question from my perspective and you knowing me mm. I'm quite somebody that wants to sprint quite often and I'm trying to slow myself down and I'm trying to treat it as a marathon but at times finding that difficult if I'm really honest so any tips hints things I should be thinking about personally about trying to slow the pace down and trying to take a breath yeah, very much. And, and, you know, not just for you, but I think that's indicative of, of, of millions of people right now. Um, you're not alone. Is This is about going in the workshop and rebuilding the leader and taking the time to rebuild the leader to then lead the business. Um, whereas when we're in panic, we get busy just doing something, coming up with cunning plans. I know I can do this. And whilst there'd be many successful evolution stories, you know, for example, a local brand that's, you know, was a gin brand that start making, started making um, hand sanitizer. I mean, what an, within sort of 48 hours, what an incredible response. But I think, you know, in order to be creative and to make that happen, you've got to have energy. And we never really get taught at school how to create energy, how to look after ourselves well, how to look after our, how to have robust emotional health. 
we take for granted that we can just go, 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 go. So I think one of the biggest things to look at is to create a self-care routine. I mean, myself personally, I'm a survivor of cancer and one of the, you know, and a business owner um, with a business model where I'm selling my time, which isn't ideal when you've got cancer. Obviously, thank you. I'm thank, thankfully I'm fine now, and it was a few years ago. But what that taught me more than ever, you know, and I thought I had self care down. Um, it turned out I didn't. And over the consecutive years, where I, you know, my cancer came back a few times, unfortunately, what it taught me is that I needed a bigger and a better. You know, I needed a self care routine that was bigger than the problem that I faced. So, what do you mean by good self care? So self-care comes in, you know, obviously mind, body and spirit. You can't be just looking after your mind when your body, you know, when you're hauling a carcass around that's really, really unhealthy. So it's a balance of all three. So our, you know, our mind is about our self-talk. So what do we do? We What's our self-comfort like? Do we give ourselves internal good messaging? Are we supportive when we're in pain and when we're afraid? Do we even allow ourselves to recognize when we're afraid. I mean, we have a huge problem with that. You know, no one can just say I'm scared at the moment. They have to have anxiety or, you know, it starts going into the mental health territory when really at those foundations, it's a human response to be fear, to have fear. We need fear. There's a condition, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, it's normally picked up in young children. It's a rare condition and it means they, they feel no pain. So it means that when they, you know, break a leg, and fall over and break an arm, the parent never knows because they never show pain. So pain is a really important barometer. It, you know, we, we've got dials on the car. We also have human dials and pain tells us something isn't right, that something isn't working for us here. And that's when we have to look at what do I need to do? Do I need to upgrade the car or do I need to put a fuel in it? So looking at our self-talk is a really good way to build self-trust and self-belief, which is what is going to get you through this storm. You know, we're just coming out of the eye of the hurricane. We had all the control taken away from us. We felt a little bit more cocooned. And now we've got to exit out of that back into the some big heady winds. So that self-trust and self-belief are paramount to get you through any kind of challenge in life. Um, so if you're not sure about your self-talk, look at if you're feeling low, you can pretty much guarantee how you've just talked to yourself doesn't set you up for best practice. Also, say it out loud sometimes. How does it how does it feel when you say it out loud? Um, and also, it's good to have people that you trust that you can talk to. And if that's not friends, sometimes we don't want to take our certainly not our work issues to the family. Um, but we you need counsel around you. You need to be able to say these things out loud and get them out of your head and get them out of your body. It, it, that's really interesting, Becky, and I think we've seen it in the peer groups. We're taking the peer groups, obviously, can't meet physically once yeah. a month, so we've taken them online to a weekly basis and, you know, aborted all the kind of coaching side and just let people talk. And in the small groups, even though it's online, because they've got relationships and trust, people are sharing their thoughts and their ideas and how they're feeling, both from a, you know, business and a personal perspective. And as a result, you see great collaboration, but you see the support and you see that recognition that actually there is something here that I need to do something about. And But I think people can get that, can't they? It's great to say it's in a peer group environment. But people can get that through trusted relationships 
with others that are in a similar space or place to them. That whole accountability people, somebody that you know in business, go have a conversation, be open, support each other. You know, people need people more than ever, in my opinion. Oh, and we've never appreciated that we need people more than ever at the moment. Um, but listening, listening is the key. And we everyone's got two ears. Like this is not rocket science. The problem is most people have lost the ability to listen because they can't be in the present. You know, they'll they'll mean well and they're supportive and caring and kind, but they'll try and go into fix. You know, you'll you'll no longer you'll have got the end of your sentence out and they've straight away gone to, oh, you know what you need to do? Or what about this? They'll go straight into suggestions. And there's a time and a place for that, but sometimes you just need to be listened to. Because the the foundation of listening is connection. Absolutely. And sometimes when you, as you were saying just now, when you vocalize what what is in your head, either the solution comes to you or you realize the madness that's in your head and the reality of it not being true. And doing that alone just can transform your feelings and your way in which you perceive things, can't they? Completely. And in that moment, you've got a whole new perspective in life and a whole new bunch of opportunities. And you've increased your self-confidence because, you know, just in creating that space. I mean, I've spent years and years and thousands of hours creating spaces for people to explore themselves. And, you know, without all the training that I've had on top of that, just that magic happens. Um, So everyone's got ears and we need to just slow down a bit and and just listen and hold a space and be interested in what somebody in, in somebody else's model of the world. The other thing we can do is it's called take it to court. So when your self-talk is coming out, you know, I'm no good at this. I can't do this again. Um, actually, imagine, hang on, if I was to take this thought to court, you know, imagine a courtroom setting right. where one side presents the evidence that this isn't true. Um, so you think. <laughs> at the prosecution and and you look at the defense and pretty much most thoughts will crumble when you take them to court take it to court okay new technique i like that take take it to court it's called but of course you know what we're all really needing to connect with on the deepest level and discover is our relationship with our intuition now for some people this is this um, you know yeah that's an easy thing for other people who are more in their head that's a struggle. You know, I see there's a big connection between the relationship we have with our gut instincts and our mental health. The people that I see clinically that have the the, the biggest mental health issues have the, the least connection to their intuition. And what I mean by intuition, it's that instincts. They are gut instincts. It's not woo-woo. Um, in fact, our gut has over 250,000 neuroreceptors. Um, it has its own intelligence. When we're little babies, we haven't got any language. We don't know how to communicate, but we seem to know what we need and we find ways to communicate that. The animal kingdom use is intuition. The problem is, as we become older and through schooling, is that we lose our connection to that intuition. We either don't listen to it or we don't trust it. I think we're trained through academia to ignore intuition. I think it's worse than that. I think going through any sort of formal education and is actually academia drives intuition out of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are successful out there that perhaps haven't had formal education 
because they listen to their intuition. I've got kind of going off on a tangent, but I think there's some, there's some strong evidence out there that supports what you say in the business world. So it must relate well to your own personal well-being as well, Becky. Completely, because the self-belief comes from the relationship with your intuition. You can't have self-belief. What are you believing in if you don't trust yourself? And if you don't trust yourself, you know, self-trust, self-belief and good intuition, they're the foundations of our well-being. You know, you can face anything um, when you know how to rejuvenate your self-trust and your self-belief and your intuition. You know, it's that point in time when everybody else is getting busy doing X and your intuition says, no, this isn't right for my business. I need to just hold back a bit, which your mind will say, well, this is madness. Why are you doing that? So that's great. You might have that intuition in your gut and something that you believe you need to do, but it's, you know, how do you then actually make that happen? I suppose you would use the word probably, Becky, courage, I suppose. How do you have the courage to actually listen to that intuition? Well, first, yeah, when you recognize it and you start to listen to it and then you start to trust it, it's having the courage to take action on your instincts and to to hold yourself, to trust yourself that I may not know what the future holds. We've all been contaminated a bit over the last 20 years and particularly in the last 10 years with the need to be in control. We've all become very, very, very uncomfortable with not being in control. And part of that is the fact that we have, you know, touch of a button, we can access lots of information. We know what the weather's like. You know, we never just go out into a windy day. We already know it's going to be a windy day. You know, we know where, what everything's, what, what is happening. And we can really create an illusion of a lot of certainty in our lives at the touch of a button. And what this is doing is meaning that our nervous systems aren't getting used to dealing with not knowing and that feeling of uncertainty. So what's happened is we've been disempowered over the last decade and that feeling of uncertainty is now being read by our nervous systems as a threat. And that threat okay. gives us anxiety and it tells us something is wrong and then we misread it as fear. But if you've got courage then you've got the conviction to stand up for what you feel is right. But in order to stand up for what you feel is right, you've got to know what's important to you. And that's where we just don't spend the time finding out what's important to us. The, you know, the amount of CEOs, et cetera, and MDs that I've worked with, they can tell you their business values, but I ask them what their own personal values are and they just have, they look at me blankly. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that was the, one of the early things that you and I did together when I came to you. And it was an exercise you posed to me. And it still sits with me to this day is that particularly if you're an owner manager or founder or co-founder yeah. in a business, you can't have your personal and business values misaligned. There'll be things, there'll be some differences, won't there? But the alignment fundamentally has to be there. And that re-evaluation of where are you as an individual personally and what things and values do you hold dear and how does that impact on the business and how does the business conduct itself and what are the values of the business are really important and what's the best exercise to do becky to kind of establish that the best exercise to do is 
look, it's easy to get someone else in to do it. Um, you know, this is where a coach is really, really helpful because it's harder to be it, facilitate it and answer it at the same time. But, you know, for those of you that haven't got that at the moment, um, is to put, just write on it and write it down. If you're processing in your mind, you're, you're, you're tasking your mind with too much. You need to get the question out of your mind. So write on paper, old fashioned or on computer, however you want to do it. What's important to me in life? And just ask yourself that question. What's important to me in life? And just sort of feel and listen to whatever answer comes from yourself. That's the other thing. We just don't have meetings with ourselves. We have meetings with everybody else, but we don't have meetings with ourselves, not constructive ones anyway. Um, so it's just starting to get a feel of what's important to you. So, for example, what's important to me is purpose. So I need, I need to then look at the time where I was putting time in my life and actually thinking, is this aligned with my purpose? Because if it's not, I need to relook at it. You know, knowing your values helps you to put boundaries down. It helps you to say yes to things and no to other things, which is another problem we have in the UK, particularly is saying no to things. Yeah, it's it's, it's nearly that. <laughs> it's the challenge, isn't it? In when you do business in China in the middle in the Far East, is they don't like saying no, <laughs> and I think we have that concept merging in the UK, isn't it? But but there is a I'd call it a peeling the onion effect to hit this, though, isn't it? Because it's not often in any of these exercises the first thing or the easy thing that springs to mind that is the really important things. It's only when you let yourself delve deep that you start to find things that are truly important to you. Right. And it's you sadly, agree with that? yeah, it's sadly only when the things that are important to us are threatened that we truly begin to recognize them. For example, you know, I only really realized how important my health was when my health was threatened. Nice. I only, you know, you only really realize how important love is to you when you find yourself isolated and lonely. And we've just got to stop learning as people through pain um, and start to, you know, you can learn about success. Um, you can learn that success is important to you only when you lose it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people going through that. Well, it comes back to that, that fear of loss that we started this podcast talking about, isn't it? There's a lot of people learning a lot about themselves through loss and not from a proactive way of trying to address things. Completely. And there's no blame attached to that. There's a lot of people at the moment who are going through a big assault on their identity. You know, they've always their businesses, how they've defined themselves, because that's where they've spent the majority of their energy. Um, and they don't necessarily know who they are outside of that business. So when that's threatened, your whole sense of self crumbles. And, you know, and that's a big place to find yourself in. You know, it's it's a good thing to work through with a professional. Um, but most pe most of us, we are all going through a re-identity alignment on small ways or enormous ways at this time. Um, I believe that's the purpose of it. So that brings on to my next thing is you've got to have a daily self-care routine. And that self-care routine needs to, you know, mind, body and spirit. If you're tucking away two bottles of wine a night, but then getting up in the morning for a run, at some point that's going to cause you big conflicts. It's it's about having, and as I mentioned earlier, your self-care routine needs to be mind, body, spirit, and it needs to be bigger than the challenges that you're facing. Yeah. When, when, it, gets, when it gets hairy, you need to up 
you up your game, you up your self-care, you don't decrease it. And I think what I've seen is a very big different division into people who have upped their exercise, their health, their well-being and the time they've given to themselves. And then the people who are numbing and hiding um, with habits that are going to hurt them in the future. So I love that concept. And you've talked about it once or twice around mind, body and spirit. And I think a lot of people are clearly through Joe Wicks and other things and getting on a bike, running for the first time, looking after the body. I think that one, most people are starting to have ticked the box. Yeah. We've spoken about kind of the mind and we've spoken about listening more to your body, you know, listening to yourself more, sharing with others, listening to your intuition. So to a certain extent, you know, we're starting to cover off the issues around the mind, Becky, in my opinion. The one that I think we're missing a little bit, and I would love to explore further with you, is the spirit. And, and what can we do to to make sure we are taking self-care of our spirit? Well, it's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the healthiness, healthiest. And that needs to be about balance and well-being of people. And our spirit is our essence of us. It's, it's unquantifiable. And here's the thing, the, the, the concept of spirit freaks the mind out. Because what it says to the control freak is, hang on a minute, I'm not in charge. And when I'm talking about spirit, I'm not talking about anything religious. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, take it away from any sort of religious connotations. Our spirit is almost like our essence of us. It's the someone that we are behind the thinking. Like, who is the you that's having the thoughts? I mean, that's probably just scrambled a whole loads of people's brains. But there's a... Yeah, (laughs) just saying, it is quite deep and it's quite... I paused and I went quiet on you, Becky, because I was just trying to reflect on that right and the mind can't answer that but you'll get a feeling and generally if you found the right answer you'll have a feeling of peace you know who is the you that is recognizing the fear because in order to label it fear we've got to recognize it so that is the spirit of us and most of my work pretty much is jet washing off the stuff that isn't you you know we are not our fears we are not our learned behaviors we are not we are not so many of the things that we do that hurt us. Yeah. So the spirit yeah. needs to be there. It's the essence of us. It's what gives us joy. It's what lights us up. You know, what lights us up isn't our thoughts. It's it's the spirit meeting the meeting the thoughts. It's the essence of who we are. Brilliant. Thank you, Becky. And as we do emerge from the lockdown, is there anything else we need? other things we need to consider there's quite a lot there that we're starting to cover off we are and i think there's a lot that we need to to do we need to learn to like ourselves and we know need to be a you know we've got again a terrible terrible weakness in this country we cannot we're so afraid of becoming perceived as arrogant we can't actually share our successes and celebrate our our our, you know we, we don't celebrate enough I chuckle because we as we had this conversation in a peer group this week is that actually somebody's doing really well and how they've dealt with the whole crisis within their business and how they've, you know, re-engineered their business, repositioned it. And somebody in the group challenged them to just celebrate that success. Um, And it was a a wonderful moment because there was that moment of realisation that actually... 
perhaps I haven't been doing that and perhaps I should be doing it more. But even, and I know this personally, it it's when you're driven to succeed, celebrating your success and not just going to look for the next hurdle or challenge to overcome is easier said than done, particularly in a time of adversity, Becky. Because it puts us into survival mode. And we don't we don't celebrate every day as we should. Oh, good, I've survived another day. When we're in survival mode, we don't stop to smell the roses. So if you're not stopping to smell the roses, it means you're in survival mode. And if you're in survival mode, you're being driven by panic and you're going to miss things. Do you really think that? Yeah. I'll, okay, because I would challenge you that, that somebody that is ambitious or driven and wants to achieve is is driven by that you know desire for some greater good or to reach a goal not necessarily from survival obviously in in, perhaps in the context i'm meaning it currently okay not in you know not if your business is purpose-led passion-led then then no but at the moment if i think a lot of people have hit survival mode and we don't celebrate when we're in survival mode. You know, when, when you know, for example, the example you gave, when when it was suggested to that person that they should celebrate, at the time they're just thinking, wow, thank God for that, I've just got through this last month or the last couple of months. When yeah. actually that, that's still them being in survival mode. Yeah, putting it into that context, I do agree with you, Becky, and I do get it. And and so that is just about while you're in that survival mode, taking a moment to reflect on what you've achieved and celebrate the small successes. Right. And another difference between survival mode versus thriving is when we're in survival mode, we don't take the time because we haven't got time. We've got to survive. So if you're finding yourself more on the manic phase, especially as things get going again, check yourself. And here are some of the things that you need to lose. You know, there's a, you know, we've looked at some of the things that you need, which is self-trust, self-belief, good intuition, courage, good self-care, energy, a re-evaluation of your personal and business goals and values, and robust emotional help. And what you need to leave behind for the future is self-doubt. Self-doubt is going to get in your way. It's going to contaminate your ability to navigate the great uncertainty. You know, I said you know, we're, we're, we're all sort of wearing, dancing backwards, wearing high heels at the moment. And that feeling of instability and uncertainty, we've got to make friends with. And our relationship with uncertainty and instability, some of us have already formed a pretty negative relationship where we have felt really unstable in the past through, you know, various circumstances in our lives. So one of the things we need to lose is self-doubt. We also need to stop blaming ourselves and others. You know, we've got a mountain to climb. Being hard at yourself, on yourself at the bottom is not the way to get to the top healthily. Fear of the unknown is what, you know, we are all joined in our fear of the unknown at the moment. But we've got to embrace that. We've got to start to learn to feel safer with that. And fear of failure, obviously. Um, But it all comes down to our need to be in control. So overall, the faster you can get used to feeling uncertain, the better you're going to do. Brilliant. Thank you. I just would like to perhaps round up the podcast. That's been brilliant, Becky, and I'm, I'm, there's so much there for me to stop and reflect on personally and 
So, and it's been interesting to have that discussion, but one of the things I'd just like to to wrap up on and, and discuss is there's a lot of thought and comment out there about changing workplaces, changing work environments, more people working from home more consistently. And from that, from me to you, there's two questions that arise. So the first is that, you know, from the individual perspective, the team members perspective, what can they do around the fact that they are working more in isolation? I suppose that piece around personal self-care, what should they be thinking about and doing? And then when we've done that, we should probably, I would like to come at it from the business perspective, but let's let's tackle the individual first. So any tips and, you know, somebody that's used to be working in a team now working in an isolated environment, what would you say to them? I think there needs to be good conversations about isolation. I mean, for example, quite a few businesses have brought me in to support their staff. So, you know, I will do weekly calls with certain people. We'll work through things that they're struggling with, be it personal or professional. So I've got, I can take the pulse of their staff and see things off, you know, before they become an issue. We are not meant to be isolated. Yes, we can be more efficient without lots of interruptions, as many people may have found, or other people have found when their children are coming into their meetings online, Mm. that uh, it does decrease their efficiency. We are not isolated creatures. So we do need to have some good infrastructure in to check in with people's well-being. It isn't just about are you getting your work done? It's actually about how are you feeling? And it takes a brave, you know, it takes courage to be a business leader that asks how are you feeling? Because we're all a bit afraid of what we might get back. Yeah. And I think that probably does answer the second point, really, was around what responsibility do we have to our teams to support them? So you're saying that's about honest dialogue, discussion around feelings, well-being, being supportive. I suppose doing the things on reflection that we'd normally have done in the office, but just finding ways to deal with that remotely. Yeah, and it's listening. You know, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. I think through technology, we've been so used to just being stimulated rather than listening. So it's about, you can you can still have amazing connection online. You, but you've got to be present. You know when someone's disappeared and they're fiddling in the background, you can feel it. Yeah. It's harder to feel it, though. When you're, you know, when you're face-to-face with someone, you know, um, it's easy to read, you know, are they engaged? It is more difficult over a phone line or, or even over a Zoom call. You're only reading one part of that that whole tapestry of things we use to interact with people and communicate, aren't we? Yeah. I think that is a challenge. And it's not a challenge I'm particularly enjoying because I love being around people, Becky. Yeah. And for some people, it's really hard. Um, and for other people, it's a relief because they're not so overwhelmed by all the other communication ways that come at us. So this is, I think about, it's just taking the time, which, you know, a lot of business leaders don't have. Um, to just re-engage and not be afraid to ask how someone doing, but also to be prepared to disclose better how they're doing too. 
um, because you can't encourage someone to be open and trustworthy if you're not being it. No, you've got to be open, haven't you? You've got to open up. And actually, one of the best conversations I had with a member of our team in this period came when I just said, look, they said, how, how are you? And I didn't do the normal. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's, you know, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I did that. No, it's a bad day. It's a shit day. It's, I found it tough, you know? And just because I shared and I explained why and, you know, that gave them permission and we had a really good open dialogue around, okay, this isn't always going to be great. You know, it's a different way of working and I was able to listen to them, but it, it was kind of nearly only because I shared as the leader that yeah. it gave them permission to do it. And, and we've got to find a way of, of of doing that more consistently. I think that's one of the challenges that I feel I face. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a great example. And look, if you've got 10 staff, that's going to be easy to achieve. And if you've got 60, 70, 80 staff, so that's about putting some structure in but also finding the right people to start opening those conversations. It's And also for them to know how to handle perhaps some heavier stuff that might come their way when you start asking people how they feel. But at the end, you know, we all, if we can't solve people's problems, then we panic. But actually what you've just got to remember, if you were present with someone and you listen, Amazing things can happen by people just feeling validated and knowing that they matter and that what they're doing makes a difference. Absolutely. And it, have you got any thoughts? I know it's slightly off your patch, but I'm, I'm going to go there with this kind of whole team building and, in, you know, um, ensuring that perhaps the team spirit that you had, that great morale that you had, because you're all together in an office environment, kind of transcends to perhaps the new environment, particularly in the next few months where people might be working in pods, you know, in groups, some some from home, some in the office, this kind of halfway house. I, we had Neil Crespin from MTM on a couple of weeks in the podcast, and he says that's what he nearly fears the most, both from a client and an internal perspective. So, uh, and I, I think I share that fear is how, you got any thoughts on how we, ensure that great team spirit and bond and morale that you have because you used to be all together can be maintained when you're in an isolated or separated environment? First of all, to understand the power of connection. You know, when you put two people in a room together, their heart rates regulate. The same happens online. We, we mimic, we mirror. Our, you know, if I'm the calmer nervous system, I can use my nervous system to calm someone else down, even on technology. We're amazing things, us human beings. So to trust that, and then, you know, that's then about putting it out to the team, maybe, to come up with some creative ways that work for them. You know, no one wants organized fun time or organized yeah. connection time. Um, Let's have a Zoom quiz. I think we're probably done with those. Right. They were probably lovely for a bit, but it is connection is isn't hard to make happen. It just takes consistency to maintain. You know, we connect from the get go. We can't help it. We have to really work hard to disconnect from people. Um, So assume connection and look at how you how you water that garden. How do you contain, how do you keep connection? And I believe that is through 
conversation and getting to know people better. This is an opportunity to actually get to know people better, even though we are further apart. Yeah. And if we can get to know people better, we'll bond better as a team, won't we? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't need all the magic tricks and the toys and the this. Actually, sometimes you can just help better connection by finding out more about each other. And and for that, I need to hand over to some creative ways to make that happen. But, you know, you'll have some amazing people in your teams that will have great suggestions because they'll know five or six people that will want to do X, Y, Z. Involve them. Brilliant. Fantastic, Becky. Great way to end the podcast. Some great valuable insights in there. If people want to learn more about Becky and what you do, where can they find out more about you, Becky? Yeah, certainly. And and for anyone, you know, also struggling as well, please get in touch, you know, no obligation. Then you can get in touch with me at Becky at B-C-K-I Holston, H-O-U-L-S-T-O-N dot com. And I'm always happy to have a conversation with anyone about their well-being. As ever, Becky, it's been thought-provoking, insightful. It's challenged my thinking. I'm probably going to go and have a lay down in a quiet room now. (laughs) (laughs) And just, you know, but yeah, really reflective in what you've said. And yeah, some challenge to all of our thinking. And that's just what we need at this time. So thank you, Becky. Thanks for having me. What a great and interesting conversation that was. For me, some really pertinent lessons and ways of thinking from Becky, especially around the importance of self-care, trusting your intuition and having a willingness to be vulnerable so as to better understand yourself and your team. I really think during these difficult and uncertain times, it's that courage, resilience and human connection that comes to the fore and makes all of the difference. If you haven't yet done so, then please do go to evolvemembers.com and sign up for free. That membership without any commitment gives you access to great content and events, as well as an ever-expanding network of business owners. It also will give you the ability to share with like-minded individuals as part of one of our peer groups or by participating in some one-to-one coaching. We really are building a strong community of like-minded individuals who are increasingly strengthened and encouraged by the openness, trust and mutual assistance that such things as peer groups can encourage. We really love you to sign up and be part of the community. For those that are already part of the community, thank you for your support. Please also remember to go to inspireaccountants.co.uk an award-winning tax and business advisory firm. And if you want to learn more about what we do and how we can help you and your business sell smoothly through the good times as well as the more current challenging ones, then please do go to inspireaccountants.co.uk. Evolve has also got a series of some great webinars coming soon. So please do keep an eye on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram for announcements. And those of you that are and members will get advanced notice of those webinars and so therefore please do tune in again for next week's podcast fingers crossed it will be that special show thanks again for listening and until next time from all of the evolve team stay safe